Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. Sometimes it can be difficult to be honest with God. We are hesitant to tell him what we really think, knowing that we will get angry or accusative. Yet, when we start to hide from God, we inevitably start to build a wall. God starts to feel distant and quiet. To move forward as people and as a church, we want to open communication with our Lord. This week, we learned from Psalm 89 and its lament. God invites us to share our frustration living as broken people on a broken planet. So as we consider fresh ways to follow the Lord in our world, I was asking God this week, what would you have me talk on? And I had him have a, what I got was, teach them about prayer. And I thought, hmm, I've done that. Um, And then I thought, well, what passage would you like me to speak on? And he led me to Psalm 89. So we're going to look at Psalm 89, which is a, 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 a psalm of praise and lament. It's a complaint. It's actually a little bit shocking how blunt it is. Sometimes we develop a roadblock in our relationship with God, a roadblock or a wall, something that we don't want to say to God or we don't feel like we can say or that we've even got permission to think about with God. You know when you're, you've got a friendship but then something happens that you don't want to talk about and so you, you shut down that one specific part of your life to that person and as a result, this wall begins to build between you and the other person. You can't talk about the subject You also can't talk about any subject that might lead to that subject, and you'd prefer not to engage in anything at all, and this wall forms. Well, the same thing can happen between us and God. So the Psalms, so the same thing can happen between us and God. Psalms are part of wisdom literature in Scripture, and wisdom literature is about faith being worked out in life experience. This is the experience of walking with God. God makes promises, He has certain goals. And then for us, we live it out, and it gets confusing and up and down. And so wisdom literature helps us understand how to think and how to express the confusion. So the book of Psalms are words to God just as much as they are words from God to his people. That makes sense? Like they help us find our voice in how to say what we're feeling, and they also guide us in how we can talk with God. No, I like how I said that. So Psalm 89, we're going to read it. It's long. It's very long. Um, So we're going to allow ourselves to hear what it's saying, but I also invite you to feel what it is saying. Allow yourself to echo the emotions that are in it. I am using the NIV, let's say. Yeah, I think. (laughs) There are three translations of the NIV now. And it's not, the 90, it's not the 84 translation, but it's not the reader's version either. What's that? A study Bible version. That's one of them. And so just as a setup, Psalm 89 talks about God's love, God's faithfulness, and King David. And from King David, he's actually talking about the promises given to David and his lineage and the experience of living under that. So let's read. Psalm 89, a maskil of Ethan the, the Ezraite. Maskil means, um, it's a confusing word. It means be wise or for enlightening, for learning. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. 
With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon sing at joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong, your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength and by your favor you exalt our horn. Horn is an image for strength in the Bible. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. You once spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David my servant, and with my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, my rock, my savior. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted king of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging, but I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun.
It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. But you have rejected. You have spurned. You have been very angry with your appointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruin. All who pass by have plundered him and he has become the scorn of his neighbors. You've exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made his enemies rejoice. Indeed, you have turned back the edge of his sword and have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with a mantle of shame. How long, Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility have you created humanity? Who can live and not see death? Or who can escape the power of the grave? Lord, where is your former great love, which, your faithful, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked in which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Verse 52 indicates the end of this section of the Psalter, end of book three. So it's really its own verse. So what caught your attention in that? Is there a line that stood out? And just sort of holler out a sentence and I'll repeat it for the folks on, online. Something, or you can use... Anything that caught your attention or a line that stood out to you? In the message, the translation is, so where is the love you're so famous for? Where is the love you're so famous for? I love that. That's a great line. So that's from the message. Yeah. Say it again. Absolute certainty. Yep. How fleeting is, remember how fleeting is my life. Yeah, I'm only here for so long. Yeah. So this is a lament. The center of a lament is not actually complaining about an enemy. It's complaining about the relationship with God. Enemies happen, bad things happen, but you're my God. And that's where the confusion lies. You are supposed to be like this. I'm experiencing that. So let's look at this lament, and I want to pick up a couple of the themes and, the st and a couple of steps in this. And there's kind of three steps. The first theme, or the first step, is the greatness of God, his love, his faithfulness, his power and ability. So I'll just highlight a couple lines. In verse 2, your love stands firm forever. You've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. It's get, the author is getting at, this was all decided in heaven not on earth. You're not responding to the current moment and deciding what to be in response to who we are. Your character was decided ahead of time. It's kind of like, this is who you are at home, not what you're like when you're out with other folks. He is loving and faithful because he is loving and faithful. 
And these words, love or loyal love and faithfulness to the Lord, one commentator said, we can think of loyal love as God's commitment to those who love him to be unceasingly generous in his forgiveness, compassion, and blessing. Unceasingly generous in forgiveness, compassion, and blessing. The root or the idea of generous is more. There's more. Like if you need more faithfulness, more compassion, more blessing, he has more. Like there's, there's, it's so generous. And that his faithfulness is about continuous loyalty and support to his people. He's consistent. So this passage describes his praise in heaven over water and over the land. And it starts with, His love and faithfulness are foundational to who he is, which is why the psalmist is so confused. You are love and faithfulness. What's going on? So the praise, there's three sections of praise. The beings in heaven are praising the Lord for his wonders and his faithfulness. Verse five, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. The angels, the spiritual beings that surround God's throne are inspired by him to praise him. One writer said, uh, since heavenly beings inspire humans with awe, how much more awesome is the Lord who inspires heavenly beings with awe? So we're inspired by angels. Angels are inspired by God. How great is God's amazement? Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. That phrase, Lord God Almighty, uh, direct translation is Lord God of heaven's armies. He's the captain of all the armies of heaven. So whenever you see Lord God Almighty, it's talking about his complete power and ability to do whatever he wants. Nothing can stop him. And so part of what the psalmist is getting at is who else would we go to for help and aid? You're the strongest there is. You are faithful when we are not faithful. You are loving even when we are unloving or unlovable. And no one can overpower you. You're you're the top. And after declaring the praise that happens in the heavens with the heavenly beings, it talks about God's power then displayed that we can see. Verse 9, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You ever seen a video of a storm at sea and the massive waves and these huge ships that are tossed around like dinghies? Massive waves. And God stills the power of the wave. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain, verse 10. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The word Rahab just means proud one, the proud one. And in some of your translations, it'll be Egypt, um, which sometimes it gets translated as Egypt, but our context is water in the ocean. And so sea or a sea monster is really a better uh, approach. It's the idea of the forces of destruction that would seek to overthrow God and his creation. Water is always the biggest threat to the planet, to humans and to the land where we live. And so the powers that would desire to destroy order and destroy life and bring it all to chaos, God has conquered that. There is nothing that can threaten his creation. So we go from heavens to the sea, and then from the sea to the land, Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon, praise his name. 
Hermon is a very high mountain in the north. Uh, it's north of the northernmost tribe of Israel. It's 9,000 feet high. It's kind of this majestic mountain. And Tabor is also in the north. It's not as tall, but it's in the middle of a flatland. So there's all these flat, and then there's this huge hill. And there he's saying the land itself, its creation, declares your praise and your might. So heavens and sea and land and then people. Verse 15, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you or to worship you, who walk in the light of your presence. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and their strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Horn is an image for strength. I'll explain that in a moment. Or I can explain it right now. Uh, when you think of horn, uh, think of the horns of a bull. A bull is strong and unstoppable. It's sort of one of the, especially a wild bull, when I think they're gone now, um, they're extinct. They were like the strongest beast on the land. And so imagine these horns. Um, and it's saying, God has lifted up or exalted our strength, our horn. Today, you might say God exalts the flag of a nation. Like he exalts our flag. He makes us pro prosper. He gives victory to our nation. It's that idea. God is all-powerful and he is loyal in his love and consistent in his faithfulness. Like he's everything we need. And then the psalmist goes further and says, and recalls the promises given to David, the king, his lineage. Verse 3, you said, God, you said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, that I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. God said that I, he chose David for a special relationship, that David would serve God by leading God's people on earth. And in response, David is elevated into a special status before God, like son to a father. He's adopted. God is selected by God, strengthened as a warrior. David didn't do what he could do on his own. God did it. And God promised that his love and faithfulness would always be with David and his lineage forever. Even if his children disobey, they will get punished, but God will not remove his loyal love. God will not betray his faithfulness to the nation and will not break his word. So that's the setup. And we get a sense of just how beautiful God's character is and how hmm, consistent, how firm his decision to elevate Israel would be. And then we get this huge, but... But if God is faithful and loving and all-powerful and he promised what he did to David, why are the promises in the dirt? Because the enemy has overpowered the nation. The crown has been cast to the ground. There is no king over the land and the nation is mocked by other nations. So remember, after David, there was a 500-year period or seven gener 14 generations. And then we get to that Jehoiakim where the crown ended. And then for 500 years, there was nothing. And so the writer's like, look at this thousand-year history of crumble. Well, what? So the complaint he's giving to God is in light of all the promises God has made. 
And he's saying, God, you appear to have broken your word. And the writer doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to respond. He doesn't know how to think. And he just makes this no-holes-barred accusation against God. What's the point of a psalm like this? What do we learn? Because the psalm ends unresolved. It doesn't end with, and then you fixed my problem. It just ends. This is one of those experiences that we go through where nothing changes and yet everything changes. And that's the thing to remember. Nothing will change, nothing has changed, and yet everything has changed because the person's been honest with God about what they're thinking and feeling. And they've wrestled or they've gone through the darkness. They are wrestling with God and wrestling with God's choices. And you come through the darkness and through the wrestling with God and God's choices and you find you're at peace and you can continue to trust. The situation doesn't change, but somehow everything's changed and you can keep trusting. It's not get angry in God at God and leave. It's not get angry at God, blame him, and leave. It's deep confusion at what is happening. You say you're like this, but I experience that. And it's wrestling with the choices God has made. Why does God call us into these kind of experiences? He's calling us to be honest with him. It's like God is saying, this thought is in you. Whether you're willing to acknowledge it or not, I can see that it's in you, and it needs to be expressed because it's putting a wall up between you and me. This is a way of God caring for us. It's God saying, share your lament with me. You live in a broken world, on a broken planet, that is riddled with sin and your own life is broken and riddled with sin and your soul knows that this is not how it's supposed to be. Share that grief with me. Let me hear it. Because if you don't, if you're afraid to share it, there's a wall that's going to go up that's just going to grow and grow and grow. It is my contention that people who are Christians leave Christ because they are afraid of saying honest things to him. It's like, we can't be angry at God. And the wall goes up and God becomes distant and they wander away. So if you are angry, if you are mystified or confused, learn to bring it to him. And if you're okay, you feel like, actually, I'm okay with God, then learn to help others who have this barrier. We act as a bridge for people. Um, when we pray for people, when we help them express their confusion or their anger or their grief, we provide a bridge to help them connect with God, to help them find words, especially for non-Christians or people who are not yet walking with Jesus but who are sensitive to the Spirit. You know those people that you can see that their life is opening up to God, they're responding to what you talk about when you talk about God, but they don't know how to talk with God yet themselves. We serve as a bridge, and we can help them learn to be honest. What is the complaint that you might be afraid to share with the Lord about your experience with life, or that you might be afraid to share with Jesus? 
if you feel your walk with God is stale, if you feel God is quite distant or quiet, that there's somehow this thick, empty air between you and God, ask the question, has there been something that you have been hesitant to bring to him? Or perhaps you haven't had the right words to bring to him because you thought it would come across as accusation and blame, and we know we're not supposed to accuse or blame God. I've been carrying around this quote with me for the past month and a bit. It's from Henry Nouwen, uh, from a book that I think it's called Open, Open Hands or something. The, the quote is, don't be afraid to offer your hate, bitterness, and disappointment to the one who is love and only love. Don't be afraid to offer your hate, your bitterness, and your disappointment to the one who is love and only love. Even if you know you have little to show, don't be afraid to let it be seen. Each time you let go and surrender one of those many fears, your hand opens a little and your palms spread out in a gesture of receiving. You must be patient, very patient, until your hands are completely open. It is a long spiritual journey of trust, for behind each fist, another one is hiding, and sometimes the process seems endless. Much has happened in your life to make all those fists, and at any hour in the day or night, you might find yourself clenching your fists again out of fear, fear of sharing them with God. So when you take time to pray, that regular time to pray, even if you feel distant, you can ask, Lord, is there anything I am bitter about or disappointed about, resentful over, something I just hate? And if you ask that and a whole bunch of stuff comes to mind, grab a pen and paper and start writing it out because it might help you just track what is pent up and then pray pray that list to god and all the emotions that come with it like all the emotions that will be there and once you've said what you've had to say stay in god's presence just a little bit longer sit in silence maybe ask god if he's got a response nothing might change and yet everything can change Only God can take the full brunt of your emotions. Only God can take the full brunt of our emotions as people. And if we don't express it to God, it will come out in other ways and towards other people. If we're going to engage in fresh ways of following Jesus, the first step is prayer. If you have a wall between you and God, you cannot move forward in fresh ways without facing that wall. We want open communication with our Lord. And you might think, I can just swallow my thoughts and feelings and keep going, it'll be fine. But you will slowly not engage with God because you are upset. So what has been catching your attention this morning? Where has the Holy Spirit been nudging you this morning? It's funny how much this verse uh, feels like when your kids come up to and they're like, small, and they say, why do you hate me? And you're like, what are you talking about? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, that's what stuck in my brain today. That's a great analogy. I just think it's interesting that I think often when we're disappointed with somebody, the pattern is you said or I thought you were, but you're not, you know, because you've done this and it's show me what you're really like and it's bad and now I'm hurt and it's blah. You feel right? That's, that's right. If I got the basic script, this is what we do. And, but this is not that. Weirdly, it's you are all these good things. You said this, you promised this, you're, and not just you said it, but you are this way, and this is your character, and this is your practice. Like, and he's not saying, but now I know the truth. You're not like that. He's just saying, but it sure isn't playing out that way. Like, I'm not feeling it. And, but he doesn't cancel the first half yeah. when he says, this is, this is sucking. He says, you know, like, remember, kind of like, like help me figure this out. Remember, like, what are we doing here? At the end, he's saying, remember what you're like. Remember your promises. Even though he never said, you're forgetful, you hate us. This is, it's just fascinating. It's just not the usual script. So I just found that. I like that. Interesting. Yeah, and that line about my life is fleeting, like, there's, and it's not said in the, in the passage, but there, from when I read it, I almost had a sense of, you probably have a plan here that you're doing something, but I'm not sure I'm going to live long enough to see how it goes. Like that, hurry up. <laughs> so, yeah. Like you said, this is a lament. It's a complaint. And as is often the case, it's misplaced that God has said, it's promised, I will do this, I will do this. But you must do this. And now you're having problems and you're blaming me. No, the, you're the problem. You are not doing what, what you should be doing. And therefore, you've got problems. But we're really quick to blame somebody else for our problems. You know, it struck me in verse 2, and it says, I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. We have reduced the meaning of faith to belief. If you read this, God's faith is not belief. It's what he does. And that's what our faith is supposed to be. It's what we do. A consistent, uh, generous loyalty. Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 I love that. Yeah. What's well, great? I have not logically figured out why we're called to pray in that we are in relationship with a God who is all-powerful and is completely able to do and will do what he wants, like it will happen. But we have been invited to pray. And from what you've just preached, what, what I've been taught is that that process is about what happens in us. There are examples through scripture of God seemingly changing his mind or his hand being moved by our prayers. Abraham v. is a lot. And um, his family as an example. But, but mostly that process of what happens in us when we pray. And so this psalm is that example. There's this idea of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So we can see all the stuff that's around us, but we know you are who you are because we can also see that too. And it just doesn't jive. And the only way to negotiate that is faith. And then faith, like you've just said, is, is lived by then doing responding 
So anyways, this is really helpful, Psalm, that way. The one thought again about that prayer, the smallness of our life, going back to trying to understand who God is in the context of his creation, as, as the psalmist does, I've really felt that God has invited the prayer of, Lord, remember how little we are. Lord, remember we are but dust. And, you know, for me and the people living in this time, we can't understand the grand sweep of eons of time from this vantage point and in these circumstances. Please help us with these details. So I'm just so encouraged by the many evidences of God in the, the little details of our lives, as I had experienced with my dad's dying, the very particular ways that we are cared for that are, are very specific to the need, to the people, the, the context. What um, incredible faithfulness and love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's interesting that um, there's a good chance that we won't have all the answers before we die. What? Uh, 500 years is a long time, and most of us aren't going to live that long. And even after 500 years, there were people who couldn't understand God. But what God wants is a relationship, more than anything else. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about a teenager who stops talking, who simply stops talking. How difficult is that for the parent? That's a, probably the very worst thing that a parent would want, is that, this, that the child or the teenager just simply stops talking. And how is it then, when we stop talking to God, then God can't, it's very hard to have a relationship with someone you're not talking to. So God would much prefer that we tell him all the things we're upset about. Much prefer. But then there's a potential for, for a relationship. And so I think that's part of the reason why he wants us to pray. We don't understand it really, but maybe it's because he really just wants a relationship with us. And then good things can happen when we have a relationship with God. Beautiful. The other thing that I had uh, that came to mind while you were talking, and then of course I forgot about it, um, was how much the the end, the, the lament portion just feels like uh, when Christ is on the cross. My God, my God, yes. why have you forsaken me? Yes, yes, yes. Which struck me because it's, at reading this passage, it's a human being talking and just lamenting to God if from our brokenness and from our, our fragility. And then there's Christ who was man, but who was God. He, he's perfect and he's doing it too, which means it must be okay. Yeah, this psalm is used by one of the one of the gospel writers in mm-hmm. the trial around the San, with the Sanhedrin. So you have very much this is Christ's experience. Yeah. Why have you forsaken me? Beautiful. Uncomfortable, but beautiful. Let me offer a prayer. Father, Father God, and Lord Jesus, and uh, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what is in this passage of scripture. Thank you that you know our thoughts 
better than we do and that you are calling us to be honest and to talk with you. You are good. And here is an example of your love to us and your faithfulness to us by calling us to lament. And here is an example of your incredible might and power that you can hear our lament and, and take it. And you can take the brunt of what we're feeling. I praise you that you can hear our lament. Father, I also would ask that you help. Let me try it like this. Father, I know there are people who are hearing this this morning or later that um, are, are percolating inside and they're brewing and, and the kettle's ready to blow. Would you help those who are plugged, who are boiling, would you help them to release their lament and to give you their shaking fist, their bitterness, their hate, their anger, their resentment, and to help open that fist to you and and Lord, I know from the experience after that fist, there's another one behind it and there's another one behind it and there's another one that we would be in that process of revealing our life and our thoughts with you. Thank you for being good to us. And Lord, I also pray that for those that we walk with, that we love, who don't know you very well yet, that you would show us the opportunities to be that bridge. Show us the opportunities where we can help our friends find communication with you and can express the heartache that they live under and their bitterness and their anger and their pain. We are your people. You've called us to be your people and you've called us to bring your blessing to the world. What an incredible, what an incredible calling. Help us to do it. Help us to be faithful. That we would, that you, that you would smile. I pray this, Lord, that you would smile when you see us and you would be proud of us and you would say, oh, I love these guys and I love what they're doing. You are our God. We are your people and we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the Contact Us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.